So I was actually on the launch of a bike that doesn't have traction control about two, three weeks ago. It was, you're going to laugh, aren't you? <laughs> I can tell when you're trying to stifle it. It's like, you go like stony face on your eyes, just a piercing me. <laughs> There's nothing to laugh about. <laughs> Hello and welcome to this episode of the ABR Garage, where we'll be discussing whether equipping motorbikes with ever more sophisticated technology is a good thing. Are rider aids really necessary? Is electronic suspension necessary? And do heated seats simply make you feel like you've wet your pants? As ever, I'm joined in the garage by co-presenter Bryn Davis, and we'll be unpicking those topics and a lot more. So what else will we be talking about? Well, we'll also be giving you an update on our long-term test bikes, as well as revealing the winner of our comment of the last video, which isn't a way, great way of saying that. But whoever left the best comment from the last, video, from the last yep. video, we will be revealing who that is at the end of the show. Um, but before we do that, I just wanted to say a big thank you to the good folks at Peak Designs. Peak Designs produces carefully crafted, thoughtfully designed, and beautifully made products for adventurous people who love to travel. And luckily for us, that includes adventure bikers. And James, I know you've been using a selection of Peak Designs products over the last sort of few weeks and months. And uh, how have you been getting on with them? Well, we should have, um, and I've got to apologise to the guys and girls at Peak Designs now, because we should have their packing cube on the table here. Um, but I, the last bank holiday weekend, I went on a big tour of the southwest of England. And so their packing cube is actually two of them are in my panniers. Uh, my wife used one and I used one and I forgot to bring it in. You so one job. sorry. They're really good. One job. <laughs> yeah, they're so good. <laughs> I've uh, I haven't stopped using them. But no, the the thing I love about the packing cube is um you can you can put piled kind of lots of t-shirts and undies and stuff like in it, but it's got a separate section for your dirty washing. Because yeah. I don't know about you, but whether I'm on when I'm on tour and I've got a bag, by the end of it my bag is just full of dirty, dirty stuff. And and halfway through <laughs> my dirty pants mix with my clean stuff and it's just not nice it's not very hygienic i only take one pair anyway do you that's so, it yeah, yeah. No, organization is such a big part of yeah taking the faff out of bike touring basically yeah it? that's it that's it and yeah. so th that packing cube hopefully producer dan will be able to put a picture up and you can see it my apologies again um but the other thing i've been using is uh peak designs is vibration reducing or vibration free phone holder yeah. bike now this has been quite a a change for me so you know that last time i had a phone i broke the yeah. camera on, on yeah. while riding while trail riding actually uh, and doing quite a lot of road miles as well and how did you break the camera well i so the phone mount was on my phone uh the phone mount was on my bike yeah. phone was on there but it wasn't a vibration reducing piece of kit so um so my seven eight hundred pound phone the camera died and i used my camera a lot for work yeah. Um, so I vowed that when I bought my new iPhone, I, I refused to put it on, uh, put it on a bike. But the guys at Peak Designs assured me <laughs> that this was going to do the trick, and it wouldn't break my phone. So you literally just pop it on like that. Mag beautiful. Magnet which uh, that's it. Is it magnetic? There. It is, is it magnetic, there? and it's also got a clip on it. Amazing. Um, it fits to your bike, and it's also a really nice looking piece of kit. I've had yeah. it on the Harley Davidson Pan America. And um, and it just looks really slick. You know I've never I've never considered a phone mount to be a sexy piece of kit. It's a really nice. I don't know if you can see that, yeah. producer Dan, with your camera. Um, but it's a, just a really nice, slick looking, looking piece of kit. But the proof was in the pudding. I took the risk because we don't get phones through work. This is my own personal phone, um, and it's perfectly fine. It's weathered yeah. weathered the uh, the terrain, weathered the bumps and whatever it is on the road. So uh, yeah, yeah, cracking piece of kit. 
And there was one more, wasn't there? There was the camera cube. The camera cube, there which I have here. Somewhere. In this. I did remember to bring in. Because <laughs> uh, at ABR, um, and I guess a, a lot of people tour as well, like to take a camera. You know, some people snaps on the phone's enough, but for us in particular, we're shooting video and stills for the magazine. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of um, adventure bikers who like to go on tour and just get great images. But the problem is, where do you put your camera? Yeah. Do you have a case? If you do have a case, it's stuffing it in with all your other stuff, um, different lenses. Anyway, this is one of uh, Pete Design's packing cubes. Um, and it's just great. It just has different commandments for your, uh, for your camera, for your lenses. Um, and it's just all... Very well designed, very well yeah. made. There's plenty of cushioning. And yeah, there's lots of bags on the market for cameras, but they're just so easy and simple to use. And I think they've had kind of bikers in mind mm. because there isn't a lot of space in your panniers. No. And these, these things are worth their weight in gold. If, you, uh, if, you, if you're into your photography and taking your camera with you, because I've, I used to take my camera in my pannier or top box just shove it in there and wrap it in some clothes and hope that was all right. Yeah. But I've broke a lens before doing that and having something like that is so much better because it's got all the protection in there as well, isn't it? It's all softly lined inside. Yeah. And yeah. And it's great. And if you, you know, getting off your bike, it's an expensive bit of kit, just walk away. Uh, they do them in lots of different sizes, but yeah, I've actually been really enjoying using the stuff um, and I will, well, I won't bring the packing cube in anymore. It's mine. I'm, I'm claiming <laughs> it. <laughs> I'd highly recommend checking out all of these products and more at www.petedesign.com and we'll put a link uh, below the video so you can check them out for yourself. Okay, so this is something we hear quite a lot at ABR. So bikes are becoming more and more sophisticated in terms of electronics, so there's more to go wrong and they're harder and more expensive to repair. Uh, Simple bikes are better because there's less to go wrong and they're easier to repair when they break down. we get it an awful lot, particularly on social media yeah. and things like that, don't we? To the point where we kind of groan a little bit in the office when we see a new comment like it. Yeah, it, it's... Uh, it's a vo- I don't know whether I can call it a vocal minority or not, but it's definitely people... You put up a picture of, you know, a, a, the la- one of the latest adventure bikes, say, the the the, uh, the Multistrada V4. Yep. And there's always, without fail, there'll be someone in the comments saying... What about all that electronics? What if it goes wrong in the mid- when you're going around the world? What if, what if it breaks down in the middle of the Mongolian steppe and you can't fix the I don't know the electronic suspension? That makes it a bad bike. Yeah, we do. <laughs> and, and, and do you know what? I, I we'll delve into this a bit more a bit later on. But I I do get it. I understand that sometimes simplicity is best. Um, when we review a bike in in ABR magazine, you know we have various sections in our verdicts. Um, yeah. verdict section and one of those is how would this bike be uh, uh, riding being ridden around the world mm. and we often will say well actually there's a lot of electronics on there there's a lot of sophisticated tech it, it, if if it goes wrong you might struggle in the middle of Mongolia the middle of yeah. uh, who knows where um, getting it fixed but the majority of us don't ride in Mongolia every yeah. day do we? There, there, there's definitely that there is there's, there's also another angle to that argument which I sympathise with a bit more is the fact that you know things are getting more expensive these days and if your bike goes wrong then you should be able to fix it at home yourself if you're so inclined but then the types of bikes that have all the electronics and the technology and they're very expensive machines by themselves and if you can afford one of them you can 
probably got probably a few quid, haven't you? The repairs. Okay, yeah. so before we delve really deep into this, should we um, should we define what we mean by technology? Mm. Yeah, I think we should. Um, because you know. Uh, bikes have electric starters now. You don't have to kickstart them. But I don't think we need to argue whether that's a good or a bad thing, do we? Uh, I'm sure there are some people <laughs> who would argue that kickstarts are the, the way to go. But no, I think what we're talking about specifically are the, I guess, add-ons really, isn't it? That weren't there on your typical, everything after the electric ignition, essentially, isn't it? So we're talking, yeah. well, like traction control, ABS... Hill uh, start control, blind spot indicators. Yeah. All, and it seems to be over the last, I don't know, last couple of years, we've had a bit of a flurry of things mm. like radar, ra- radar activated cruise yeah, control, active cruise control, blind spot indicators. But I think, I think for this discussion, I think we'll probably stick to electronic advancements or yeah. not so much advancements, depending on your point of view. Yeah. Um, so I thought to begin with, um, we'd look at um, road touring and... Well, yeah, so I think it's important there's a distinction between different types of riders, isn't there? Yes. So when you go, we look at road touring, It's going, we're going to look at how technology will will benefit road, people who are road-based touring specifically, right? Yeah, so if, right. We look at, if we look at people that ride on the road, think about people that ride off-road, yeah. and, and also think about people that, obviously it's on the road, but do a daily commute and rely on their bike yeah. daily, but also kind of rely on a few creature comforts daily as well. Okay, so to begin with, something that does cause quite a stir, again, when we talk about it on social media, and that is traction control. Yeah. yeah. What do you reckon? Well, I think we both agree. It's not something we personally think about. <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking about we as though we're a couple. That's <laughs> it. Well, you know, great minds. <laughs> it's not, but no, it's not. I don't think about, oh my God, this bike's got traction control, or no. it hasn't. Or, oh my God, I can't live without it, or I, I, I would hate find it. it. Odd if I had hopped on a bike without traction control these days, to be yeah. honest. But uh, it's not something we really consider unless we're riding off road, really, is it? But uh, saying that, I was speaking to a guy on the weekend who uh, was, he's, we were talking about his Tiger. He's got a Tiger 1200, and he was praising how good it was to have traction control because when he gives it a bit too much, his back wheel starts going up. Is he, he must be giving it a lot of throttle. I reckon so, yeah. Although that is, is that the new Tiger 1200 or the old version? I think it's a 17, 18 place. Was it? Because so that is a yeah. big old top big heavy, heavy bike. Yeah. So I was actually on the launch of a bike that doesn't have traction control the other day. Uh, and that was the Yamaha Tenere 700 World Raid, which you can watch a full review of on ABR's YouTube channel. Um, but... And I think Yamaha were quite proud of the fact that it doesn't have trash control. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of Tenere owners I've met, uh, a good friend of mine in particular, is very proud of the fact that his bike doesn't have that and a lot of other electronic rider mm. aids. Um, now, Yamaha said, why does it need it? It's only got a 600 and something CC engine. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't make huge amounts of power. You should be able to control the bike anyway. I don't oh. necessarily agree with that. And I can yeah. see you don't either. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I guess... The argument against probably all of these technology, uh, the safe from from a safety perspective, all the, the technology we're going to talk about in this podcast now, the argument against it tends to come down to yeah, well, you should be a good enough rider. Yeah. yeah. Like if if you need traction control, then if you need traction control to avoid having an accident, then you, you shouldn't be riding. But that's a bit of a silly way of looking at it well and that's ways. that's the thing for me for for bikes you know like the Tenere that quite frankly I didn't miss it one job mm. all day and we did yeah. some pretty spirited riding on and off road 
uh, some of it that I felt pretty out of my depth, but it was great fun anyway. Um, but it's when it's when those emergency situations happen. It's when you've got the slip of oil on the ground. Yeah. It's when I think you had it last year, midwinter, when a car pulled out on you at the oh, last yeah. second. Yeah. Um, and it's when things happen that you can't plan for. And quite frankly, your reflexes can't always get you out of it. That those rider aids and something like traction control really does become a lifesaver. I'd say, yeah, definitely agree with that. And, I think from from my perspective, if if we're talking strictly about should this should traction control be on a bike, I think absolutely yes. But you should be able to turn it off if you don't want to. Yeah, yeah, which you can do on the Tenere, yeah. which we did when we rode off road, or it had uh, various settings, or it had a setting where you could kind of limit it, or you could turn it off completely. Uh, and actually, you see quite a lot of adventure bikes with that these days, don't you? I know yeah, the, I know Africa. Sorry, the uh, the Africa Twin has. How many stages of traction control? Seven or eight, I think. An awful lot. All the way from massively intrusive to when you're off-road, you can barely go anywhere because your back wheel keeps stopping. Yeah. To completely off. And I really like that much customization on the level of traction control because it allows me to get to a point where I can safely and within my skill level get a bit of slide out and have a bit of fun. Well, that's it, isn't it? The joy you can wrench open the throttle a bit, the bike can slide out, and yeah. the electronic traction control will help bring it back in. Yeah. So I think traction control, for me, is a hit. I'd keep it. I reckon so as well. Yep. For me, it's a, it's a hit. It's a, a no-brainer for me. Yep. Have it on a bike. Absolutely. There we go. So sorry to all you lud outside there, but we, we kind of like traction control. Um, next one. And this, uh, this, again, comes under the safety banner. Um, which are blind spot indicators. Now, this is pretty new in the adventure biking it world, is, isn't it? Yeah. Although I guess they've been on cars for a while now. Yeah, I can think, yeah. 10, 15 years on cars, maybe more. Yeah. And Probably more. I have no idea. No, it, well, that's it. But, you know, say it with confidence. <laughs> and uh, the first time I came across it, we had uh, the Ducati Multistrada V4S um, as a test bike for a couple of weeks last year. Yeah. Um, I was cruising on the M5 motorway, my usual weekend commute home and um and it just started flashing and to mm. be honest with you at that stage i hadn't really done much research on the bike yeah. <laughs> um i do do a lot of research on bikes but it was just a bit of a, a chance to give it a shakedown and um uh, and i found it incredibly helpful yeah the fact that it was flashing before i knew that a car was behind me mm. um and before i i would have looked now i always do a shoulder check when i ever take yeah. and things like that but i found it a really helpful thing on kind of a multi-lane motorway that i knew kind of left or right yeah if there were cars around and I it's see. just an added i wouldn't say sense of security but an added pair of eyes that, that can yeah. only help when you're on a bike exactly and i, I mean a similar situation i the first time i rode the v4s um a couple about a month or two ago i just remember riding down the road and this light came on and i've I'm not indicating. What? Why is my indicator on? Yeah. And it took me till I got home to realise that I hadn't put my indicator on. There was a car on the blind and on the blind spot. And I agree. It's really nice to have that extra level of uh, it's like someone watching over you in in a, in a way. And interestingly, my dad brought up a really good point about the sorry, my dad Alan who uh, <laughs> <laughs> who uh, owns Adventure Bike Rider magazine. Um, in his most recent piece about the Ducati Multistrada, it's his long-termer in the latest issue of Adventure Bike Rider, uh, his whole thing was about the blind spot indicator from the point of view of someone who 
only has one eye. Now, that wasn't some weird role play he was doing. He actually has one <laughs> he's eye. He's riding along just like this, just yeah. to check it out. No, he's, 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 missing, he, yeah, he's missing an eye, and you know, out of that side, he finds it hard to see what's going on. So to have a blind spot indicator there, I guess literally indicating on his blind spot, is uh, very, very helpful for him and makes him a whole lot safer. Um, but from my perspective as, as someone with two eyes, I like it, but I wouldn't say it's entirely necessary. No, it's I, not something... I wouldn't put me off buying a bike. It's not something I miss. That's the only uh, one of two bikes I think I've ridden mm. with it on. It's not something what I miss. What was the other one? The, the Multistrada and the... I think it was... Was it the RT? Did that? I don't Maybe. recall now. I don't recall. Mm. I was thinking that maybe because I, I was thinking I've ridden like two bikes and I couldn't remember the other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I, I just—it's not something I miss now, but it's something I appreciate. And I think the main thing is, um, it will never replace a shoulder check. Like right. you're going to do your lifesaver, whatever. But I think, particularly when you're on a motorway, if something really unexpected happens, you already know if there's something next to you or not, yeah. rather than having to check. Or yeah. if it unfolds really quickly, just hoping there's not. That's it. And I think that was that was a reassurance that I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, so it's a hit for me. Yeah. If you if you end up relying on it to save your life because you're too lazy to do a shoulder check, then that's your fault. <laughs> so yeah, I'd say, um, I mean, based on the fact that I could take it or leave it, and you said hit, I'm gonna say miss. Oh man! All right, there we go. Arguments <laughs> gonna begin. Um. Next one, again, a safety issue, I would say, or a safety feature, not an issue. Um, something I really, really like. So I'm going to say it's a hit straight away. Right, and no more, move on. Tire pressure monitoring systems. Yeah. Um, I, I just, it, again, it's not necessary, but it's something that's just really handy just to check it on your screen rather yeah. than getting my little, um, I don't know, my little flow tube out and popping it into the tyre and getting a very rough reading to mm. actually be able to see what my PSI is on each tyre, front and rear. Yeah. Um, I just think he's a great thing. And I, I do remember someone moaning about them once, saying that they weren't <laughs> needed. Yeah, sure, they're not needed, but it's really handy if you've got one. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, again, I guess kind of the same with the blind spot indicators. I could take it or leave it. I'm happy to just eyeball my tire pressure most of the time. Sorry. Eyeball? Sorry. <laughs> How many PSI do you narrow it down to? Very good. It's eyes. a talent. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, it makes life easier, makes it more less of a hassle. I, I, yeah, not something I would be too bothered about if it wasn't on my bike. No, but, no. And I think that's like a lot of these things, isn't it? Like, yeah. they're not, you don't need them. But if they're there, it's really it's helpful and it's a nice it's something nice to have. Yeah, but I'm not going to moan about the bike if it is there. No, oh god, no, definitely not, definitely not. Do you reckon hit or miss? I'll what say, I'll say here, it does make life a lot easier. Nice. Okay, yeah. on to the next. He'll start assist. Ooh. What do you reckon? I I do I remember the first time riding a bike with he'll start assist. I think it was the BMW GS. I, I guess we should explain what it is really as well. Yeah, because I think I might have just misunderstood what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Are we talking about the brake, the auto lock brake when you're yeah, on a hill? Yeah, so if you yep. go, if you stood, uh, if you stood on a hill, say in traffic, um, and it will have the rear brake on, I think, I think it's a little bit, or is it both? I don't know. They'll have a brake on, um, and will automatically release as you release yeah, the clutch. So it. it just kind of saves you from rolling backwards. Um, you know, which sounds quite yeah. sensible. So I did initially. I liked it. It was great. Stop on a hill, pull the brake in, bike doesn't go anywhere. But I think if you're if you stand still for too long, 
the hill start the hill hold that's it hill hold control uh disengages okay so it doesn't stay engaged for the whole time but that's i don't know why that is but it's probably for some reason so if you stood on a sat on a hill with your hill hold on for too long and it comes off you go Whoa. you know minor inconvenience more than anything <laughs> But then the biggest pain in the ass with those is when you're trying to maneuver your bike around the driveway or get it in out of the garage when you're sat on it, and you know some or turning around in a road. I will do a tight turn on the road. I'll grab the front brake when I'm turning and then try and shift back, but the front the brake will have engaged and the hill hold will be on, so it just gets in my way. And I really, really don't mind sitting there with my foot on the back brake while I'm waiting at traffic lights. Yeah. So are you? Uh, I'm a miss. You're a miss. Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to agree with you. Yeah. And the reason I'm going to agree with you, although I don't really like doing it, is uh, that it's something that interferes with my control of my bike. So mm. what if I do want to roll back? Now, I'm sure, uh, you know, I'm sure there's ways of turning it off or things like that, but sometimes I might want to, and I don't really yeah. want anything interfering with my my control of my bike in that situation. Now, I know traction control does interfere with the control of your bike and things like that, but this feels just a little bit too intrusive for me. Uh, and it's just not something I feel that I ever need because mm. you've got your foot on your back brake. It's like the ultimate laziness tool. Yeah. I think if 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 you can't sit with your hand on the or with your foot on the brake at traffic lights for, but I suppose it helps in other situations of a pillion's getting on on the slight incline maybe. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, still miss. It's a miss for me. Yeah. It's a miss yes. for me. Okay, so I think that's the there's the kind of like safety features. What about ABS and lean sensitive ABS and stuff like that? ABS, we can go yeah. into that if you want. Yeah, I don't really want to go into it. Cause <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Do you know what? I see ABS now, and and I see that as something um, a little bit like an electric starter. Well, it's just on every bike yeah. anyway. I think every bike in the UK or in Europe uh, needs to come with ABS these days, doesn't it? It's been like that with that way yeah. for a few years or now. Linked. Front and back, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so when you've got kind of that, yeah, it's basically it's a system to stop your brakes from locking, mm. and a bit like traction control. As long as you can turn it off, if you don't want it, yeah. particularly if you're riding off road, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't see the problem with it. No, and I will happily say that I'm very happy for ABS, and in particular, lean sensitive ABS. First, probably say I would uh, maybe saving my life, definitely saving me from. Bad things. Trashing a multistrada. Yeah. That's quite a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, someone pulled out in front of me uh, on the way home from work. It was pitch black. Someone pulled out in front of me, um, just instinctively swerved out of the way, grabbed a handful of brake, which, you know, probably the worst thing I could have done. Um, but I have no doubt at all that it was the technology in the bike that kept me upright and not rolling down the hill into it, uh, rolling down the road into a tree. So ABS... And in particular, lean sensitive ABS, big one for me, big hit. Yeah, and that kind of leads us on a little bit. And I, I don't really have it on the list because it's not an individual rider aid, I guess. But IMUs, internal measurements systems, which measure the the the, the lean angle, the pitch. Yeah. The, like there's so much, <laughs> so many sensors on there that measure various things on your bike, yeah. um, which feeds back into this one system. And does feed into things like traction control, like yeah. sensitive ABS. Now that is becoming more and more common on and not just high end bikes these days, mm. isn't it? Um, yeah. And this is when maybe I don't know. Maybe does the Luddite view actually start to make a little bit of sense in terms of no. if <laughs> if you are riding in kind of more remote areas, um, 
because one of the things one of the things that we have on our bikes probably more than any other problem is a sensor issue like we're lucky <laughs> yeah, that true. we get to test ride pretty new bikes here at abr that is but true whenever yeah. they whenever they do go wrong it's usually because there's something wrong with a sensor and i just can imagine riding i don't know whether you're in morocco or you yeah. are in mongolia or whatever or even in a remote part of the states or canada yeah. which we often are yeah which yeah. we often are but you know we do <laughs> on the holidays on tours um and and, and having that that screen flick up with go to your garage immediately was on one of the bikes, yeah. wasn't it? Stop, stop immediately and go to your That's garage. It. And it felt like the bike was going to self-destruct. And really there was just a little sensor issue. Mm. Um, and I wonder if kind of technology that is that sophisticated and that advanced and, and is linked to so many different parts of your bike, is that becoming a little bit too Does much? Does it have a place? I don't it, it, it all depends on where you are planning to take your bike and, your end usage, you know, riding around the world. But there are people who do ride around the world on bikes with all that in there and have no problems, you know. It's, I guess, it's, there's every chance that it could be a problem. There are very good chances that it might not be a problem. I'm sitting on the fence massively. Sitting on the fence, yeah. And you know what, I think you're right. It depends on where you ride and and what your riding goal is. Because for me, uh, if that sensor goes wrong... I will just take it to the garage after yeah, work. That's or it. Say, Bryn, my bike's not working properly. Can I let's take it yeah, to the garage? Just get it sorted. Um, uh, but you know, if you are in remote, more remote places, then that is going to be more of an issue. Mm. I do understand why people who travel further and longer on bikes yeah. do go for something simpler. And, and again, I mentioned it at the start, but you know, the cost element of it. If you if you've, you've got to take your bike to a dealership, a main dealership, every time a sensor gets a bit dirty, it's going to get very pricey and not something you want to be doing so i can see it from both ways really but i it doesn't bother me there we probably go. because i'm yeah i would i'm, I'm I, I love technology on bikes that's it that's it that's it yeah. fair enough well i am used yeah i'm all for them let's do it <laughs> it's a hit for me um and actually talking about technology you love this probably comes onto a section later on but i'm going to raise it now which is your your newfound adoration Apple CarPlay. Oh yeah. And uh, now this is yeah. this is this is not something that I ever really associated <laughs> you with. You is is a, a joy and adoration for an onboard entertainment system. Can you can you tell us why? What's been going on? Well, uh, do you know what? I never thought I would need or want an onboard entertainment system on a motorbike. But linking my phone up to my screen, up to my headset, and being able to flick through songs while I'm on the bike. Being able to say, Siri, play, you know, Britney Spears. <laughs> nice. <laughs> or, and see a picture of her at the same time, genuinely you can. Yeah, well. Yeah. Or the album cover. Being able to do that, being able to say, take me to um, this whatever destination I want to go to. Having all of that so seamlessly on the dashboard of the bike has been a revelation for me. And, you know, there are other bike, other manufacturers try and fudge together some different third-party apps and that and you you know for instance on the multistrada recently i was trying to download the navigation app to link up with the headset so that i could have the sat nav on the screen of the multistrada and have the instructions in my headset and you have to download two different apps get them to talk to each other update the maps faff around with load of nonsense and it, ju- it just kind of put me off using the sat nav on the bike so i went back to apple carplay 
which is on the NT1100. And it is so simple. It's so user-friendly. You just plug your phone in, you connect it to your headset, and then you've got basically your phone dashboard on the bike. Definitely is a bit distracting because there is a lot going on there. But the amount of information, and for some reason, you can get Zoom on there. I don't know, maybe really? you want to make, yeah, like the, the different apps you can get on there. You can get Microsoft Teams. You, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't want to say work with you on the bike, but I do get it. Honda, yeah. I think Honda should be applauded here, really, mm. for actually incorporating Apple CarPlay into the bike. Yeah, You definitely. can get it on the Africa Twin, uh, which we're yeah. testing at the moment. On the base models as well, yeah. isn't it? And and uh, brings long term at the moment, which is the Honda NT 1100. And, yeah. and I think Apple, uh, Apple, Honda have done a really good job in that they've got their big seven... 7.5 inch TFT screen, mm. something like that. And then below it, they've just got a little LCT digital display. Yeah. So when you're using, using Apple CarPlay, you can have your giant Google map up top. Yeah, it's perfect. Uh, and it's just like looking yeah. at it on your phone and you've still got your speed, you've still got your gear position indicator on the LCT. One thing you don't have, which, has, which is frustrating for me uh, and really makes me want to write a letter to Honda saying, why haven't you got this <laughs> Honda, please? <laughs> is on the, so you, like you're saying, you've got the main TFT dash at the top, which is perfect, it's beautiful. It's got the, the main map. Underneath it, you've got a separate LCD dash with your speed and your, your gear indicator, how, how, what gear you're in. But you don't have your fuel on there. So multiple times, and, and you don't know you're low on fuel if, you've, if you're using CarPlay and, and uh, riding. You don't know you're low on fuel until the fuel in, indicator light comes on. And it's not very bright. So you can carry on riding, not knowing you're nearly out of fuel. And it's happened to me twice now where I have realized when I've been down to zero miles on the, on the bike in terms of needing to fill up. You know, I should probably learn to be, take more care. But literally all it takes is there's a, there's a perfect spot for it on the, on the LCD display as well for fuel to go. And it just needs to go there. There you go. Yeah. I, I actually did experienced that myself and I was yeah. riding along thinking oh this is awful and then I was thinking well actually I've got my phone being mirrored <laughs> on a screen on this bike it's incredibly clever I'm selecting music making yeah. calls uh looking at a map um you know people out there might be horrified or they might be excited by that <laughs> but um but then I thought oh yeah it hasn't got the fuel indicator this is awful but then I've got a Triumph Bonneville, which just doesn't have a fuel <laughs> yeah. indicator. Um, yeah. And I just kind of rock the tank to figure out how much fuel's in there. Yeah. And it's never a problem, never never annoys me. And do you think this is something with technology on bikes, that the more we have and the more we, ex the more we expect? Mm. Yeah, I, I, a similar way to, you know, we, in terms of remembering directions to somewhere because of sat-navs, we've become so conditioned to just yeah. following a sat-nav. If you ask me to go to, I don't know, somewhere would not be able to find my way now without a sat-nav, without a bit of trouble. I, I genuinely mm. think when you're following a sat-nav, you pay less attention mm. to your surroundings. Yeah. And it, it usually, some, so if I'm finding my own way, first time I'll remember it if yeah. I want to get back That's there. It. If I'm using a sat-nav, it's no two, chance. three, four times yeah. before I'll kind of figure out in my mind, this is the way you have to go. Yeah. So I do think, so, yeah, technology has made, I, you know, probably made us a bit, I don't want to say dumber, but just a, a bit less caring. Less? Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Apple CarPlay, hit or miss? Definitely hit, though. Yeah. yeah. I'd I rather be sat on the hard shoulder of the motorway with no fuel listening to music. <laughs> I'm not sure I agree there, but I think I think it's very cool. Uh, and under the right circumstances, I, I yeah, it's a hit for me. Yeah. I think it's and if you don't like it, just don't use it. 
Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's the thing with a lot of this technology, isn't it? Not all of it, because, yeah. you know, some of it can't be switched off. Yeah. But when it's tech that's there, that's on offer, but you don't have to use, that's right, just don't use it. There's no need to be angry about it. I would get very angry. <laughs> okay, so we've looked at um, uh, technology that kind of improves safety. Yeah. Um, so now, let's look at, look at tech that helps with comfort. Now, I think being adventure bikers, um, I think adventure bikers and, and, and motorcycle tourers, um, comfort is a big thing for them because yep. we do tend to cover big miles in short amounts of time. Um, yep. That's not because we're really hardcore and we love putting ourselves through it. It often is because I've only got a week off, you know, a week off work. I want to get as far as I can. I want to get to the Alps. I want to get to the Pyrenees. Um, and, and I need to cover some big miles. And it's under those circumstances that aids technology that aids comfort really does come in handy first one we have got heated grips mm -hmm. what do you reckon should not be a bike without heated grips <laughs> ever yeah 100 percent. the heated grips is a hit completely there is no there's no instance where a bike should be called a touring or an adventure bike without heated grips do you reckon yeah full stop <laughs> that's pretty that, that's pretty <laughs> resounding um why uh, wouldn't you want heated grips if i lived in a warm country I think, and that's something that I think... Uh, I guess, yeah. I, I think that's something that bikers are guilty of, and I'm really guilty of myself, is that I, I think about my own riding a lot of the time, yeah. and I don't think of others. And I think when we talk about things like heated grips, heated seats, which we'll come on to, um, we often get comments saying, why do you need that? You know, that's, that's something for sissies. Only wimps need that sort of thing. Yeah. If you live in California, that's probably about right. But if you're uh, if you if you're riding through a UK winter, then actually heated grips can mean the difference between numb hands that can't handle the controls um, and sitting there toasting and just thoroughly enjoying yourself. Mm, definitely, heated grips and heated gloves—two things that I would probably not ride without after, say, September. Wimp. Absolute wimp. <laughs> no, heated, heated grips. I think hit. Hundred percent hit. hit. Uh, which takes us on to heated seats. Um, Another one. I love it. Do you? Yeah, I love heated seats. Yeah, this isn't it, much of a game, is it? Because we just love everything. <laughs> no, when it, I where was the bike? the The Tiger twelve hundred was the first bike I tried with heated seats, and I thought it's going to be such a pointless thing. You're going to sit on the bike and you're going to put the heated seat on. Your bum's going to get a bit warm, and what else is what good is that going to do for anything else? But it actually really heats you up throughout. It's not just your ass that gets warm. It's everything. That's it. And, and do you know what? The, I, I really like it as well. Sorry, this isn't much. There's not much jeopardy here, is there? <laughs> but one of the things I really love about it is it just means that I don't have to wear so many layers in the winter. Because mm. uh, actually, I, that's one of the things I hate about winter riding is that I feel so cumbersome. I've got so many layers on that doing a shoulder check is about doing it as the Michelin yeah. man, you know, and I've got a you know, a few rolls of my own as well underneath <laughs> that gear. So if, you know, if I've got something that can, means that I get to take off a layer and heating, yeah. heating my backside does heat up your core. Yeah. It really is helpful, isn't it? Definitely. But, and I've never had this, but you said you have, is it, does it make you feel like you've wet yourself? Can do. <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting, maybe the first time you sit on it, it, may, it does make you, it's a warming sensation in your groinal area. When was the last time you wet yourself that it reminded you of that? <laughs> well, you know, everyone's wet themselves before. <laughs> well, that's it. Well, that's uh, Stu, the designer for Adventure Bike Rider magazine, yeah. said the same thing to me. He said, nope, no, I don't like that. It just makes, it makes me feel like I've wet my pants. Yeah. Um, which, you know, if it doesn't go cold, could be a nice sensation. 
don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Well, I would also add heated seats are excellent for pillions. Yes. Oh, yeah. If you want to keep your pillion happy, give them a heated seat. Yeah. yeah. I've just got a vision of my, my, my poor wife last weekend. Um, should have should, should have taken some more clothing out of her packing cube because <laughs> we got back home and she was soaking wet, freezing cold, and she was actually shivering. Yeah. And she got off the bike and looked up at me, and I felt so guilty because I had some heated grips on the, I think it was the Harley Pan America. <laughs> yeah. I was more than happy. Um, but yeah, bless her. So yeah, heated, heated anything. Keep your pillion happy. That's heated it. Seats. That's a good thing. Okay, so moving on from heated, uh, heating elements. Sorry, hit. Sorry, hit for me. Oh, yeah, hit yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah, hit for me. Definitely. Um, something else that I think uh, over long distance particularly can help with comfort is cruise control. Yeah. Um, I, is, this is going to be another hit for you, isn't it? Only in... Mm, no, yeah, definitely hit. <laughs> in all elements. No. Most importantly, though, and one that has turned a lot of people off is the adaptive cruise control. Yeah. So I think it's no, it's active cruise control. I think it's called I, not I, different. Different manufacturers call it different things. So basically, there's a radar on the front. There's no on the front of the bike, and it detects when there's a car or something in front of you, and it adjusts your speed to the level to the speed of the of the object in front. And you can set different distances, so you can ride up close to the car in front, or you can ride far away, or even further away. It's been in cars for quite a while, but it's a relatively new to bikes, isn't it? Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, I, ro- I rode with it most recently on, well, the only time I've ridden with it is on the BMW R1250 RT uh, when I did nine, but... When you, you did nine, did but, nine but yeah. have you ever told, have you ever told uh, viewers nine, and listeners I've that you did nine, nine, nine but, yeah. I never heard of it, never heard in of winter. it before. <laughs> in winter, you did an iron butt in winter. Yeah, wow. and I one of the, the, the thing I used most on that ride, which I absolutely loved and would take with me in a heartbeat on any trip in, on a motorway, Anytime is the adaptive cruise control. It's perfect. It's brilliant. And the reason being is I, f- I genuinely think it makes you a safer rider on the motorway. Yeah. The argument I've heard against it is that, oh, if, you, if the bike's speeding up and slowing down for you, you know, you're going to turn off and you, you know, what's stopping you from, I don't know, falling off or going into the back of someone or, you know, people make the argument that it actually makes you more unsafe because you're less in control of the bike or you're not as engaged in the ride. But I disagree entirely with that because what I found was when I was on the bike, I didn't have to focus on the car in front of me slowing down and speeding up so much. I was more aware of everything going on around me rather than just the car in front. And I'm an absolute godsend on British motorways where no one knows to drive or keeping a consistent speed. Yep. Yep. It hit for you. Mm. 100%. Big one. It is. Yeah. And you know what? Before you talked about adaptive cruise control, I was going to say cruise control is a miss for me. Is it? Because it's just something I hardly ever use. Mm. Um, yeah, I just, it's, it, I, I, I don't know why. I just don't, I think it's being in the UK yeah. where it's so difficult to have cruise control on for any length of time before someone's hogging the middle lane yeah. or the outside lane and things there like that. that. But I've just kind of, the more I ride, the more I've just learned not to bother with it mm. until. I rode a bike with adaptive cruise control, and I was like, well, that's all my arguments against cruise control gone. It's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, it's yeah, absolutely it's perfect, brilliant. Isn't it? um, yeah, I, 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 I think it's a, a cracking thing. It's a hit for me. Yeah. A really, a really thoughtful innovation in motorcycling. The, I 100% agree with that. Sorry, to, you were making a very good point there. And I, I was being profound. Yeah. I had my hand out and everything. <laughs> um, 
But if you don't like technology, you don't like the idea of cruise control going wrong, you can get those throttle locks, can't you? Not, yeah. Not the not the same level of uh, usability and ease of use, but uh, you know stuff like the Atlas throttle lock. Yeah, that's which, a great that's a great piece of kit, and it's basically just a me- mechanical cruise control, really. Mm. Which um, not like you know you can get those little cheap plastic ones that just flick on and off yeah I don't like but the that. atlas is quite good because you just can you know use it with your thumb and adjust it and things like that but uh, yeah if you don't like if you don't want electronic wizardry going on yeah. or any extra electronic wizardry going on then um then you've got a mechanical option there as well yeah so, yeah there we go hit to that as well hit to, hit like to everything everything something good. we don't like <laughs> something we don't like what's on my list here uh, the next on the list is adaptive cruise control. Cheers for that, Brett. <laughs> so, uh, okay, so uh, now I've put the uh, the next kind of um, electronic gadgets into a convenience heading, yep. um, which doesn't quite fit the next one, which is rider modes. But it's quite convenient having okay. different rider modes. And, and bikes these days, um, if they've um, if they've got kind of an onboard computer, you can select whether it's a, a touring mode, which gives you plenty of power. You can yep. often have a sport mode, which gives you everything, and yep. an instant throttle response, a rain mode, which which dampens everything a yeah. little bit. Yeah, and often they'll have an off-road mode as well, which might switch off um, the ABS yeah. and various, various things. But um, what do we think to, to rider mode? I think the idea of them is better than the reality of them. Yep. And by that, I mean, I probably end up switching between rider modes once or twice a month yep. on the bike. It's one of those things where it's there, but I don't, I find the one I like and I stick with it. If it rains, I just don't tend to ride as fast. <laughs> and if it if it's, you know, I, I, <laughs> I think they're a bit unnecessary, uh, but I can understand why uh, people would like them. Because they're pretty much standard on yeah. most adventure bikes these days. Not all, but, but mm. most, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I would say I, I don't get the benefit of them because I, I'm lazy and don't bother changing the mode. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, you know, you might be have a different experience. I kind of, I, I, I'm like you. I, if, I've, if I've got a bike and it's got a touring mode, 90% of the time it's in that mode, yeah. you know, wh- whatever I'm doing. Um, but that often is down to how good the bike is, how good the throttle yeah. response is. Um, but I kind of, I tend to, see, tend to see them a little bit like um, traction control, where it's something that you can use, not in an emergency, but if the situation dictates that you've got quite extreme circumstances. So yeah. again, you know, I'll, I'll probably talk about on the motorway, but on country roads as well. If you are in a monsoon of rain, if it's really pelting it down, um, under those circumstances, I will whack on the rain mode. It just kind of brings brings a throttle response and if you a didn't bit smoother. That, would you would you be able to make the connection in your brain that it's raining? I should probably, you know. No, it's smoother. I'd, I'd pull over and cry. <laughs> Genuinely, that's, I'd, I'd pull over I mean, and cry. Like, and I'd phone you to come and pick me <laughs> up, which has done before, but it was because the bike that. broke down. <laughs> it's all right. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of like being able to kind of like just just dampen down the engine, dampen down the throttle response when mm. it's you know quite extreme weather or when there's snow and ice, and I've been stupid enough to go out in it. Yeah, you know, I will select the the, the mode with the least power. Yeah. Um, but you're right. In general circumstances, I'll just just find one you like and stick with it normally yeah apart from off-road modes i always i'll I'll always um switch into an off-road mode uh if i'm riding on the trails i mainly do it just because it's a switch in my mentality yeah Yeah. 
and it just says off road. Reminds <laughs> yeah, that you are riding off road. Yeah. Time to go off road. That's it. Although I, this on the Suzuki GSX S one thousand GT, I have to think about that title. I wish that give it a different name. <laughs> just the the yeah. What would you call the it? Suzuki? I don't know. Cool wave or something. <laughs> cool wave. <laughs> Imagine it, how many cool waves they like sell. <laughs> cool wave toothpaste. Um, but on that, that's got three rotor modes: A, B, and C. And the Suzuki Cool Wave is an amazing bike. I absolutely <laughs> adore it. Um, but it's got A mode is is very, very responsive. It's very sporty. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say the throttle is snatchy, but my God, you get an instant hit. Yeah. Um, and I can imagine there's a lot of riders there who will love that um, and really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, probably people that ride sports bikes most of the time or go on track days and things like that. And they'd want that from a sports tourer. Yeah. Whereas myself, who's kind of more of a, a, a touring biker and adventure biker, the B mode, which is just a little bit more chilled out, but still pretty mm. damn fun is something that really suits me. And the C raid mode is, is very, very weak. Yeah. But in those two main rider modes there, they've kind of adapted the bike for different people. And I can imagine if I jumped on that and the only mode was a, I'd be like, yeah, it's a great bike, but it's, it's a bit, a bit too snatchy. Um, yeah. And people that are really into riding fast would probably be like, oh, it's a little bit dull in B. So I think there is a place for them. So Yamaha does this as well. Doesn't it really annoy you that they don't name their modes? Yeah, I do find it slightly unusual. Like, I'm an idiot. Tell me what it is. <laughs> Well, that's part of me thinking I should be able to work it out, but what's the difference between calling it like sport tour? Yeah, and exactly. A, B, C, like it just adds an extra level of complicatedness. Yeah. Complications. Well, then when it's raining and you've only got an urban mode, you just put it in urban mode. If there's no rain mode, what do you do? You stop and you cry. Yeah, that's <laughs> no, no, I'm but, seeing your point. Yeah. No. Uh, so, rider modes, it sounds like they're a bit of a miss for you. Mm, but I do I see the benefit of them. I, I'm f firmly down the middle, hit miss. It's a hit miss. It's a hit for me um, under the kind of the prerequisite again that if you are adventure biking in more remote lands, you know, and there are people, you know, people do do this. Um, it's, it's you know, adventure bike rider so has features a lot of people that go out True. and do this. And I don't think we should, you know, just because the majority of riders here in the UK won't be heading off onto some epic adventure anytime soon. I think if you've got a bike with less tech, with less rider modes, um, that's probably going to be your best bet, isn't it, for yeah. for a journey like that. Although yeah. saying that, two of my favourite round-the-world travellers, Simon and Lisa Thomas, 17-plus years on the road in the most far-flung remote places on Earth. Like, Simon's on a GS1250, is he? Or an 1150 adventure? Yeah. yeah, so, you know, he, he managed all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess, though, would you buy... Would, would a bike not having rider modes put you off buying? No, not if it was a good bike, because the only bike I own doesn't have any rider modes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's probably the, the... That's it. Yeah. 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 There we go. Okay. So, um, firmly on the fence there. <laughs> uh, this is one is I'm going to shout out for now. A miss for me. 100% self-cancelling indicators. Yeah, 100%. Hate them. Hate them. Hate why? them. Why, why, why do I need... I, I, well, I know why, because people leave them on, but they turn off way too soon. Yes. Every time. I yeah. Throw them away. Filtering yeah. for me. Filtering is the main yeah. thing. If you're, if I'm filtering down a line of traffic, I sometimes will have the, the indicator on yeah. just to kind of let oncoming traffic know that I'm, what I'm doing. Uh, and if it turns off automatically, it's annoying. Mm. Or if I want to turn 
and it takes a bit of time to get to the yeah, turning for some reason. I mean, in traffic, and I want pedestrians and cyclists and other people yeah. to know what I'm doing, the damn thing turns off. I really annoys me. Yeah, I yeah agree. I would put that firmly in the miss. I think I turned it off on your NT. Can you do that? When I borrowed it. I think I did, yeah. Good, because, uh, yeah. And I also changed the screens, because the two of the screens really annoyed me in the, the user mode. It's I really never ugly. tell because I just have the power play. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I had a little play. Anyway, okay, so self-cancelling indicators, a miss. Yep. Uh, and talking about screens, TFT displays, what do we think of those? Uh, I love them. <laughs> you just love motorbikes and technology. I, a really good TFT display. You know, you're on a bike, you're sat in the saddle looking at the screen for most of the time you're on the bike, as well as the road and everything you should be doing safely. But... Something nice to look at when you're in the saddle is so crucial for me. Yeah. And, you know, you go on to older bikes and you get back to the LCD displays and they do look very dated and very Game Boy-esque. And, yeah. you know, why why put up with that when you can have something high definition, beautiful and colourful and you can customise like it? Really. That's me. That's it, yeah. Mr. High Def. Mr. TFT. <laughs> um, and that's interesting because on the, the Tenere World Raid launch that was on recently... Um, that new version of the Tenere has got uh, an updated, really nice yeah, looking which TFT looks cool, screen right? compared to the old Game Boy LCD mm. found and, on the and standard it, bike. And it looked great. And it opens up the possibilities to do stuff like CarPlay and mirroring of your phone on the screen for, for navigation purposes. So TFT, well, why don't you say your piece first, James? My piece? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think I'm about TFTs? <laughs> oh, do you know what? They're, 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 I think when they're done well, they're great. I just think they're rarely done well. I find a lot of the graphics quite distracting. Um, the best one I've ever used was on the KTM 1290 Super Duke GT. Really? Yeah, that was beautiful. It was quite dark. It was very, it just looked premium, but it was really simple. But I've ridden on some bikes and they are just, they're just ugly. Confusing, kind of like the, the rev counter is on waves coming up. Right? And I'm like, what the hell's going on? Is that on the cool wave? On the cool wave. No, <laughs> no, the cool wave. The, the Suzuki's uh, TFT is pretty simple, actually. Um, I, I'm going to throw it out here. I prefer an Oops. analog dial. Uh, an I analog really guy do. in a digital world. I am. I am. Again, the heart back to my Bonnie, which I know is an adventure bike. But there's just something nice about looking at a, a really well-crafted analog dial in front of you. It's... Uh, it's, yeah, it's my happy place. <laughs> See your age, James. <laughs> it's my, that's it. All right, so uh, hit for you, miss for me on, uh, on TFT. TFT displays. Yeah, 100%. Um, quick shifters. Convenient, yes. Yeah, convenient, deal breaker, no, but I love them again. <laughs> I just really like being able to go through the revs completely and just knock it up and down without having to faff around with pulling the clutch in. Yeah, because that's a big hassle. It is, yeah. yeah no, using <laughs> using your left hand, yeah. but um, but sometimes people do say to me, um, uh, a, a quick shifter. Yeah, no, it's for race bikes. It's for track mm. days and things like that. Actually, I find them really useful in everyday riding. Yeah, even just kind of cruising around town. It's yeah, just sort of. But does it make you a bit lazy? Yes, because I then I get on a bike without a quick shifter and then try and mash the gears up into. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does make you lazy. But if you've got a bike with a quick shifter, there's nothing wrong with being lazy. Yeah, I guess Convenient. so. But again, it's one of those things that when it's on a bike, I use it and I enjoy it. When it's not on the bike, I really don't care. I'm on the 
Aprilia Touareg at the moment, yeah. which doesn't have uh, doesn't have a quick shifter, and I, I just don't miss it one job. See, I did actually thinking did about it now. Yeah, when I took the Touareg down to uh, just down the road, actually, literally five minutes <laughs> to Morrison's. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Throughout, you were crying <laughs> over this lack of quick shifter. No, I do remember just thinking, oh, I, this is weird pulling a clutch in, but it was because I'd come off the NT, which is DCT. Yep, and uh, then I think I realised that I don't actually like gears. Fair enough. Well, quick shifters <laughs> hit for you. Yeah. They're a hit for me, but I really don't care about them. Yeah, Should have that's had a probably different fair category, enough. wouldn't we? Hit miss, I know, maybe significant. Hit miss, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Yeah, put it in whatever. All right. I'm gonna jump on to uh, a couple ahead now because you just mentioned it. Automatic gearboxes. Honda calls it DCT, dual yep. clutch transmission. But bikes that you don't have to change gear, it does it for you. Yep. Uh I, I this is another hit for you, isn't it? I know it. Uh, currently, yeah. But it's quite a new thing, isn't it? Yeah, definitely a new thing. I, if you'd, if you'd said to me two, three months ago, you're going to be riding a DCT bike, I would have said, no, I'm not. I hate the idea of DCT. Every time I've ridden it in the past, I just don't like it. Just give me a bike with gears, please. I really like changing through gears. And having ridden the NT 1100 for the last couple months, which is DCT, I am really enjoying that gearbox now it takes getting used to you have to change the way you ride to make the most of the gearbox and you figure out the quirks of it and 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 then you get used to the slow control because you don't have a clutch to pull in you use your back brake instead but i'm really enjoying just not worrying about changing gear and i know it's not a worry but it's it's the same with a car i would have always said i will never drive an automatic car because I just don't like... I, I like changing gear when I want to change gear. But then I got an automatic car, and I have never bought anything other than an automatic since. No, no. I don't think I would go... If given the choice, I don't think I'd choose DCT over uh, manual. But I definitely see it as a better thing now than I did three months prior. And I also appreciate that there are people who DCT works for from a you know, physical yeah, yeah. Point of view, you know, if you've got hand problems or you, you, you know, Ollie, for instance, who used to work here, he had problems with his uh, ankle, didn't he, after a motorcycle accident? Changing up and down gear all day would cause pain in his ankle. So having taken that away and being able to change gear without you, without the gears, I think is good. I would, I would put it in hit. Yeah, because mm. I feel really guilty now about suggesting that it's a miss because for some people it's actually probably opened up biking to yeah, them again. Yeah, so incensed. Yeah, damn it. Why do but, you hate um, people? Yeah, I'm <laughs> just a bad, bad man. But um, for me, I, I am I am the completely the opposite. Now, I, I really think that NC1100 is a, is a fantastic mm. touring bike. It, it's, it's brilliant. It's got the bones of an Africa twin. How can it not be a good bike? Yeah. And I've ridden Africa twins with um, automatic transmissions. Uh, and I've ridden the Honda Goldwing. It's all been Honda bikes. And I think it's because yeah. Honda seems to be more than any other manufacturer pushing this technology. Yeah. Um, but there's just, there's, there's three things to me that just rule it out for me. One is, and I'm going to side on the side of the Luddites here, is that, oh my God, is there a lot more to go wrong? <laughs> you know, kind of really is. And I know you've had automatic cars for a long time, but I did drive an automatic car for a while that yeah. did go a bit wrong with its automatic transmission. So that right. did put me off. Although none of the bikes we've had have had a problem, have they? No. Two, slow speed control. Oh man. I, I, want to, I will say slow speed control was an issue 
until I adapted to riding. You said I'm not good enough to basically. ride a DCT or an automatic bike. But it's a skill, James, and you haven't got it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, every morning I have to kind of pull my bike out of a, a, a small area in a hill and do a little tight U-turn. Uh, and when I was on, when I'm on automatic bikes, oh, it's just a, a struggle. <laughs> Whereas when I'm on a bike with a clutch, it's a pleasure because yeah. it's a little slow speed control that I'm, I'm, I'm doing. Yeah, you know? I, I think you'd, if you, if I gave you a DCT bike for a couple of moments, you would find a way to adapt to that and you would, you would think it's less of a problem. I would be miserable coming into the office every morning. <laughs> you know that. I would be so, so face like thunder, stroppy <laughs> as hell. Um, although I just want to say I'm never going to be upset if you're giving me a bike. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, but the third thing for me about automatic bikes is I've only, only in one circumstance to ever find there are the right gear. And that is traveling at motorway speeds when they don't change gear very often. Because I had the Goldwing. Me and my wife went down to the Pyrenees for a couple yeah. of weeks on the Goldwing. Uh, we, we traveled the length of France, um, and it was great. It really was. And it was a very relaxing, pleasurable experience. But any other automatic bike I've had, they mm. either want to be two or three gears too high, yeah. and I've got this shudder and this... Which, for me, I have to admit, da, 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 on the NC1100, it's a crying shame because that engine is stunning. Yeah. It's the engine out of the Africa Twin. It's one of the best engines around at the moment. Again, though... <laughs> you know what I said? How am I riding wrong? <laughs> Why? Well, you know I said? You get used to it and you have to... You adapt your riding to the DCT. So if you put your foot on the brake a little bit more, it actually shifts down again, which I've only just realised. But I don't want to brake when I'm accelerating. <laughs> then you twist the, if you twist the throttle a bit more, it will change down again. There are nuances to it that you pick up when you ride it and you get used to it in the same way to slow speed control. I would, I ride in DCT now, I can make it change gear practically when I wanted to. And there is also the up and down. A bit like the effect you have on stuff. women. Just click your fingers and you're away. That's it. Yeah. I'm taken. <laughs> but do you not find, I, I found I was, I was rolling along um, at 30, I think 33 miles an hour in sixth gear. Yeah, and the I first time like, I rode it, oh, back it when I was a novice too, <laughs> it was, you know. I've covered about a thousand miles on this thing. <laughs> you'd, go in, you'd go into a roundabout in fifth. And yeah, I, I agree. It, but once you, like, I just want to make the point that once you learn it, and get used to it, it's not as bad. And it is yeah. a great bike. Like, NC is a great bike. Yeah. Um, I just wish it was manual. It's a miss for me. I'm sorry. You haven't yeah, convinced no, me. My, it might be my own fault that it's a miss. I my my, to, to my be, lack of riding prowess. To be honest, it's probably a miss from me, actually. Oh, for God's sake. Why have we had this, why have we had this argument then? Because I would not, I don't think I, given, if I was buying a bike today, I don't think I'd choose DCT over manual. Nope. There you go. But you do like it. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. And I'm not as upset as I thought I'd be. A contrary figure. <laughs> All right. Well, that was the last that was the last thing on our list. Ah, uh, there was one Have we more. missed one? Have we missed There's one? One more that I wanted to talk about was keyless ignitions. Yes, that was three yeah. earlier that I missed. Yeah. <laughs> keyless ignitions. So, uh, it, probably top of the range bikes these days all come with it. Yeah, uh, you've got the key fob and you sit on the bike and there's a button, you just press it, and on goes the bike. And then you press the, the starter switch. The argument against keyless ignition, the only one that I see online is that, ooh, what if you leave your key? Right. It stops. The bike stops, doesn't it? It doesn't stop because I managed to ride away from you once when you had my key. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was in my pocket. How far did you get? I could have gone forever until it ran out of fuel, I think. 
Yeah, no, you can. It just tells you key out of range. No way. I thought yeah. I thought it was some sort of like disabling mm, device on there or maybe, something. Maybe, but it didn't disable the bike. So what's the mm. point in having a key then? What? <laughs> so if you don't need the key, if you don't need the key to ride it, do you need the key to start it? Yeah, you wouldn't. The key's got to be in the vicinity of the bike to start it. Okay. <laughs> so right. do you remember it was you sat on the bike, I gave you the key, you started it, then you got off the bike, I got on the bike and rode away. This is my, my daily yeah. ritual of being your bike starter. Yes, please, James. He's, he's just warm the bike up to do it himself. That's <laughs> All right, because I, I've always assumed, I have to admit, I've never tested it, but I always assumed that the keyless um, ride bikes that I've had is if you haven't got it with you, you'll get a certain distance and and the bike will be disabled. But it might be. Uh, I know, I completely not what I've experienced. What, no. I was just com- assuming it completely. Yeah. Um, and actually, it's one of those things that when we review bikes, um, particularly on launches, got the key with you that yeah. you just you, you we will describe well that's it how you know what the system's like but actually yeah do, let's let's run away the <laughs> only give, instance give where a dog the key <laughs> yeah. and then see how far we can get the only instance where i've not had the key on me is when my bike starter <laughs> failed to pass it failed, back. To, failed to perform um, um, but, but i would say i love keyless bikes because i don't really inevitably every time i put my helmet and gloves on I will forget to take my key out of my pocket and then have to take my gloves off and get the key out again. Oh, you poor sausage. <laughs> Such a hassle. Such a pain. I never realised mm. you were this pampered when it comes to motorcycling. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but so being able to start it, and, you know, if you ride off, it does say key not in range. So then there and any, you know, you'd think, I'll turn around and get the key. Not chase ah. me down on my Tuareg down the street. <laughs> yeah. That's it. So... For me, it was a massive hit until one thing happened. Find out next. Find out next? Yeah, that's the cliffhanger. It was great, wasn't it? <laughs> no, it was, so for me, it was a, I can't remember which bike it was, but it was keyless ignition and the battery died. Or it, it ran out of charge on the bike. All right. So the bike's battery went dead. Obviously, the I ignition is electric. This. Yeah. So I you, you turn the, the the steering block, hold the hold the uh, the key button, <laughs> and it locks the steering as well. So that yep. in the same way that you turn the steering lock on, and when the bike went dead, it meant that I couldn't um, couldn't get the steering lock off the bike, which wasn't so much of a hassle because the bike was inside the garage and I could just put a charger on. But I was thinking, what if that? Had, what if the bike had gone flat when I was in the middle of town or something like that? I remember that. I remember thinking. When I rode, I think it was a previous, it wasn't the V4 Multistrada, mm. a previous, I think it was a previous model Multistrada. Um, it has got an override, hasn't it? I'm pretty certain there's a key there and you can override the system. Mm. Maybe. I shouldn't have mentioned that because I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> I know on the, <laughs> I, remember I, I think, think it was a GS actually. I think, the, yeah, the problem you had was on a GS, and wasn't it? Yeah, it was on the GS and there was no override. Yeah. And I remember checking it out and that, yeah, there was no override. You have to get the batteries. But I think on the multi there is, which and is on the which Harley. Is, yeah, the Harley's no... taking a different approach, isn't it? Well, yeah. and this this brings me into because I, I I if if a bike's got keyless ignition, great, that that that's fine. If I'm riding in the UK, if I'm just doing tours in in nice Western places with <laughs> garages or even Eastern places with garages, you know, if you're <laughs> off if you're off in the boondocks. I, I, you know, I, I don't want something like that. It's another thing yeah. to go wrong. But for general riding at home, yeah, it's great. But I've never had a bike with a keyless ride 
um, where also the, well, the fuel cup's also keyless, isn't it? Mm. And they're always an absolute pain, pain in the, the backside yeah. to open or close. They just, it always takes lots of goes. Yeah. And I thought it was just me being an idiot on the first bike I rode with it, but every single bike yeah, I've ridden. Is it open? No, it's not. Oh, where do, oh what do I press? Uh, yeah, it's just, it never, <laughs> never seems to have mastered that piece of tech, even though they can start an entire giant motorbike mm. with it. So, which brings us to the Harley, which has got keyless ignition, but you need a key for the steering lock mm. and the tank. Yeah, initially I thought, why the hell would you do that? That's so lazy of them. But actually, I think that's the that's the holy grail. Do you think that's yeah. they they've made it? I don't really see the point in a way. Like if you've got your key out anyway, you may as well just put it in the ignition. But it's fine; mm. it does the job. But what I really do like is you need a key for the the fuel tank, yeah, filler cap, so that the I'm not like having that, a poke and a fiddle around that it's really yeah. frustrating. Yeah, yeah, the the Multistrada is like that, isn't it? Now it's got a flip out key, like on a car. Uh, you use that for the filler cap. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I agree. The 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 keyless fuel caps are a pain in the ass. There we go. So, but I would put keyless rides into it. Would you? Mm. See, for me, it's a miss. I just don't care. I care. <laughs> hit, hit, <laughs> hit, and a miss. There we go. Well, I think that is our entire list of electric technology wizardry, wizardry mm. uh, yeah things that we're seeing become more and more prevalent on the bikes and aren't just the high-end bikes anymore it's yeah. filtering down a bit isn't it so um i'm sure you guys have got your own opinions too on technology i'm sure that some of you are listening to this and watching screaming at the fact that Bryn loves everything. Um, but so, you know, please do let us know in the comments below the video and uh, wherever you get your podcasts, you know, what your ideal setup was when it comes to technology. Is it something that you've had problems with or, or, or are there things that you just could not live without? Um, and talking of comments, I think mm, in the next yeah. section, after we take a very brief break, uh, we're going to read out some comments from the, uh, the last episode of the ABR Garage and uh, also award uh, a wonderful prize to one, one lucky commenter. Welcome back to the final part of this episode of the ABR Garage, where we're going to read out some of the listener comments from the last episode. Aren't we? <laughs> we are. <laughs> we are. Yes, and we are. Uh, with our favourite comment, winning, well, winning a very special prize. The most special prize anyone could ever hope to win is uh, an Adventure Bike Rider Lid t-shirt. Oh. Yeah. We don't have one with us, uh, but Dan is going to put one up on the screen for you to see now. Uh, it's one of our best-selling T-shirts, and you'll look really cool in it. Nice. Basically. Nice. Okay, so to find out who's won that T-shirt, you got the first comment. I forgot to print out the comments, so hence we've got our phones in our hands. First comment. Very professional. Not the winning comment, sorry, guys. The winning comment's the end. But the first comment is from a Richard Theo, and he says, Great chat about gear, but blimey, you'd need a second mortgage to buy all the gear you boys are on about. And this was in reference to, we did a, the last podcast we did was about um, our favourite gear, essentially. But if we were touring, going down to the Alps, what gear would we wear and why? And he's got a very good point. 100%. Fair, yeah, really good point. Uh, <laughs> we did talk about just about the most expensive gear on the market. Well, like, in, in our defence, <laughs> it was our dream gear. <laughs> you know, what True. would we choose? But, yeah, we take it, you know, it was thousands of thousands of pounds worth of gear was spoken about, wasn't it? And, yeah. And, yeah, just, I can't, I couldn't afford all that if I, luckily, wasn't in the lucky position to work for ABR. Yeah, so, you, there are, fortunately, there are very good options on the lower price 
lower end of the price range, which we'll probably go into at some point in the future. I feel like it'd be really good to do something about lower priced gear yeah. that becomes highly recommended from us because we do review a lot of gear in the magazine and we come across some of the best. Yeah, what was the, the chap's name? Richard. Richard, Richard. I'm actually... Um, Look, it has prompted me to think about if we can do uh, a lower-priced gear review in, in an upcoming issue of Adventure Bike Rider magazine mm. or look at jackets below £500 or below £300 yep. or something like that. So, uh, yeah, it's got, me, uh, it's got me thinking. Thanks for the comment. And, uh, yeah, it's something we'll be looking at. Yeah, cool. Thank you. So then Dave P says, uh, as regards to helmets, one thing you didn't touch on is colour. Is there an added safety element with, say, white, high-vis, etc.? James? Well, after I, I, I cracked up and got the giggles with you talking about helmets, I'm really <laughs> pleased that you didn't talk about the colour of your helmet. But um, yeah, hundred percent. It's uh, I guess it's it's not something, um, yeah, not something we touched on, is it? And quite right, you know, if you've got a bright high vis helmet, mm. then naturally you're Stands going to to, you're going to stand out. And I'm sure there's some scientific studies online somewhere it says that it makes absolutely no difference but anecdotally as a car driver and a biker if i see someone with a high vis lid on i'd spot them yeah. much further down the road 100 percent makes you far more visible to everyone i again i was behind a, a biker with a high vis yellow helmet <laughs> yeah, we're gonna hear that uh, we shouldn't talk about helmets it's a bad thing uh, <laughs> oh man oh, oh man um i wore a high-vis helmet to the alps and for two weeks <laughs> i was just covered in bugs that's why i would not wear a high-vis helmet now <laughs> well, high-vis helmets are trying bugs nice <laughs> I'm so, I'm so glad we waited for that for so long. It was, a, oh, yeah, it was more of a point to it before. There is the vanity kind of comes in there as well. They're not like I, 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 high vis is great. It's safer. It's not the coolest looking gear in the world, is it? No, no. And and and, and I think it's probably wrong with me. But vanity kicks in, and I I, I don't tend to wear high vis helmets <laughs> very often. But I do like my white ones. Anyway, um, Gareth Jones. Uh, enjoyable watch guys and nice to include a non-ABR contributor um, last uh, last episode to uh, to crowd the two juveniles <laughs> in front of you here uh, we had Ed Miles uh, mm. who's a gear expert from Lindstrands and Halvarsens yep. great guy uh, incredibly knowledgeable I learned a lot from him in the yeah. last episode as well um, so I'm glad he was your favourite rather than <laughs> me and Bryn um, but uh, Gareth is also looking forward just to seeing it at the Adventure Bike Rider Festival which if you're watching this within the next couple of days of recording, um, is on the 24th to the 26th of June. Uh, and if you're watching this after that, then we had a brilliant time. Come and see us next year. <laughs> uh, and tickets will be on sale at that point, probably. Yeah, and uh, Ed will also be doing a talk, couple talks yeah. at the festival about gear and buying the right gear and choosing the right gear and the technology behind gear. So if you're at the festival, make sure you check out his talks in the Masterclass tent. They're going to be very good. Well worthwhile. Okay, final comment. I think it is. <laughs> yes. Uh, Max Jellico, uh, cool name. Uh, brilliant gear overview, but more importantly, how on earth did you get Ollie to stay so still and quiet behind Bryn? Who's Ollie? I don't know. I've never heard of Ollie. No. Who's no Ollie? idea. Who's Ollie? Anyway, <laughs> um, who do you reckon should get 
The best comment. I think because I just really like that he's noticed it. Max. Max Jellico. Yeah. He's noticed that Ollie isn't here anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For those of you who haven't watched an episode before, Ollie uh, was a staff writer at ABR for a couple of years. Yep. Regular on the pod. Ollie's moved on to Pastures New. Mm. He's left us for the, the bright lights of London. That's it. So, uh, I'm missing him. Yeah. He's a good guy. He was a good guy. He is still a good guy. We'll see him at the <laughs> festival. Yeah, he'll be at the festival. Um, so yeah, but Ollie, you know, thanks for well, thanks for watching more than one episode of the ABR Garage, <laughs> and, uh, and thanks for noticing that, that Ollie's no longer around. We will uh, pass on the fact that you uh, you perhaps miss care him. about him. That's it. <laughs> like we all do. All right, I think we should probably leave it there. Um, thanks so much for watching, Bryn. It's been. Fun as usual. As always. Um, and please do uh, let us know what you think about motorcycle technology in the comments section below this video, or if there's a comment section wherever you get your podcasts. Please do leave us a like, subscribe if you'd like to watch more videos uh, from the ABR team. And uh, I think that's about it, apart from saying a big thank, big you, thank you to Peak Designs. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you, guys. Um, we mentioned them at the start of the podcast, Peak Designs, who have uh, basically sponsored this episode of the ABR Garage. So make sure you check out some of their gear. It is, and it really is cracking gear. So, uh, yeah, good stuff. We'll uh, we'll see you next time. Oh, wait, before we go, we're doing a live podcast in the, at the festival. We are. We've, yeah. we've asked people to go and see Ed's show at the festival. Yeah, we yeah, have. We're we doing one as well. There we go. Yeah, so we're on the... Yeah, I don't remember which day. <laughs> I have no idea <laughs> when we're doing it. <laughs> Saturday. On a Saturday, yeah. Saturday afternoon, we are doing a live version of the ABR Garage with special guest... With special guest Ryan, Ryan F9, F9. Uh, yeah. some YouTuber you might have heard of from Canada, something like that. Something like know. that. Yeah, yeah, probably. No, Ryan's uh, uh, Ryan's uh, interviewed in a previous uh, issue of ABR magazine, and we asked him if he'd come along to the festival, um, and he is. So uh, it'd be great to see him, and great to have a chat about bikes. Yeah, hopefully not about helmets. No, no, <laughs> and no, I, I'm not sure we should subject him to our helmet talk. <laughs> Thank you very much for watching and uh, all listening and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.